this I am series where we're looking at the the seven I am statements of Jesus. And last week we looked at I am the bread of life. Before that, we just kind of did the, the I am revealed where we look back to Exodus 3.14, which is the introduction to the Lord using the name God the Father, using the name I am that I am, meaning he is self-existent. He chose to exist, therefore he is. And then Jesus, when he uses that I am statement many times, he's referring back to that. And we saw that last week with the reaction of the Pharisees and religious leaders around them, whenever he said that he was the, I am the bread of life, they were ready to, to throw stones at him because they recognized he was saying he was the I am. And so today we're looking at his statement, I am the light of life. But first off, kind of like with these girls here, we just watched on our children's sermon, what is light, right? Sometimes you got to define even the basic items here first. What is light? Well, how important is light? Why is light important? Well, National Geographic had an article back in October 2001, and they say that light reveals the world to us. Body and soul crave it. Light sets our biological clocks. It triggers in our brains the sensations of color. Light feeds us, supplying the energy of plants to grow. It inspires us with special effects like rainbows and sunsets. Light gives us life-changing tools from incandescent bulbs to lasers and fiber optics. Scientists don't fully understand what light is or what it can do. They just know that it can illuminate our future. You see, light is something that, that can have a dramatic effect on everything it touches. It makes it possible to see, even in a dark room. You can see, right? A lighthouse warns ships of the coastline. Emergency lights warns drivers of a high-speed vehicle or an accident. Light speaks of security and reassurance. And when we're in the dark and we hear an unfamiliar noise, what do we do first? We reach for the light. We go to turn the light on so that we can see what it was that we heard or see what it is that, that may have fell on the ground, whatever. And so imagine yourself standing on the edge of this vast canyon in the heart of this remote uh, wilderness. And as the, the first light of dawn creeps across the sky, it's still, it's quiet. The air is fresh with the scent of pine. Below the canyon is shrouded in darkness. Its depths and secrets are hidden from view. With you is this, this group of hikers, each one carrying a small, dim flashlight. And as the light from the flashlights pierces the darkness, it reveals glimpses of the canyon's majesty. The towering cliffs, the me me meandering river, the lush vegetation clinging to the rock faces. But these small beams of light are just that, small. They illuminate only fragments of the vastness that stands before you. Then, as the sun crests the horizon, its rays begin to flood the canyon. Slowly, the, the darkness retreats, chased away by the light. What was once hidden is now revealed in full splendor. The vast expanse of the canyon, the intricate details of the rock formations, the vibrant colors of the landscape, the small beams of the hiker's flashlights once so crucial, now seem insignificant in the brilliance of the sun's light. This moment of transformation from darkness to light mirrors the profound impact of Jesus declaring, I am the light of the world. Just as the sun illuminates and transforms the landscape, Jesus' light brings clarity, truth, and beauty into our lives. Where once there was darkness, confusion, fear, despair, 
His light brings understanding, peace, and hope. In our journey through life, we often rely on our small flashlights, our efforts, our wisdom, our understanding to navigate the challenges and mysteries that we face. But when we encounter Jesus, the light of the world, he find, we find a, a source of illumination that can transform our entire perspective, revealing the path before us in a way that we never could have seen on our own. And so what is the importance of Jesus and this, this phrase of, I am the light? Well, once again, I want to take us back to the Old Testament because if we look at John chapter 7, now first off, our word today is going to come from John chapter 8, but we're going to flip back a, a full chapter here. I'm not going to have a whole lot of scripture. I'm not going to have scripture on the screen, but I'm going to have a number of scriptures to put out there for you. But if we look back at chapter 7, we find that there's this pilgrimage, there's this feast that is going on. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles, or some may call it the Feast of Booths. And it's one of three major feasts in the Jewish calendar year. It's one, it's kind of like the, 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 the Feast of Feast, if you want to. This is after the agri agricultural time where all the harvest is done and the people are coming together. They're coming to Jerusalem from wherever they are. They're coming to celebrate. And so the Jews, would, would what would happen is they would get there and, and they would stay in these booths that they would create. They'd create these little tabernacles or tent-like or booth-like structures using the trees, the, the branches from like olive trees or, or willow or uh, uh, palm trees. And they'd use those branches and it create shade for them and protection for them because it was truly a festival or for the harvest, but it was also a reminder of Yahweh leading them through the wilderness in the Exodus story, where he led them as, as himself as a, a pillar of fire in the night and a pillar of smoke during the day. He was their protector and their provider. And so that's what they're looking at. The, the booths are their protection, and then they're, they're celebrating him because he was the provider. Exodus 13 Chapter, Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 22, describes that pillar of flame and fire. It says, And the Lord Yahweh went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they may travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. So it was... It was also during this festival, there's also this water portion of it. I'm not going to speak a lot about that. We'll come back to it later on, I promise you. But there's this time where they would take jugs of water and they would pour it on the altar there in, in the, the temple area. And what they were doing was they were, they were remind, it was a reminder of God supplying or him providing for them water from the rock at Oreb. And so this festival is all about remembering the Exodus story and remembering God's protection and his provision for the people. <laughs> Excuse me. Again, this is all in chapter 7. And at chapter 7, you may remember, if you know the scripture at all, you may remember Jesus' brothers telling Jesus, why don't you make yourself known? You see, they understood that this was one of the high festivals. They understood that most of the people from Jews, the natural-born Jewish people, were going to be coming there. And if you were going to make an announcement of who you were, this was the time and place to do so. 
But however, they go on to the festival and Jesus kind of sneaks into the festival. And then we're told in chapter seven about the about the middle of the feast or so, Jesus gets up and he teaches. And what you may not understand is he was probably teaching from the law here because part of this festival was every seven years, they would actually teach from the law. They would read the law there in public and the way that he kind of the way that he explains things, the way that he speaks, and that he amazed the people. They're like, we cannot believe that he's, he's able to speak so well, one that has not studied the word like they would know regular rabbis to have. They were like, we're amazed at his teaching, his learning. They didn't know where it came from. And he tells them about the word that he's saying, the law that he's sharing. He's like, this is not mine, but it's he who sent me, it's his, it's, it's, it belongs to God the Father. It says, has not Moses given you the law? And again, it's very customary for them to read the law. In fact, in Nehemiah, Nehemiah, whenever he had found her, the, the priest, I think Nehemiah had found the word, he found the law, and then he had the priest Ezra read from the law, most likely during the same festival. Nehemiah 8.18 says, and, and day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. Everything goes back to the Exodus. Everything goes back to Levitical law here. Now, they were to continue this for generation after generation after generation so that the people remembered God leading them as the light and God's protection for them, as well as, like we looked at last week, his provision for them. And he's Jesus is telling me that the, the people are, are questioning Jesus. They're like, Jesus says, you know, that he says, I'm the, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the people start to kind of clamor and they're like, but we know who you are. And he goes on and he, he teaches them. And so we can kind of see that they're, they get upset with his words here, his, his claim to be the light of the world. And we can see from their response that they get angry. They start getting indignant. They start getting mad at him. They understood that he was speak what he was saying about himself. That's why they were claiming they're like, but we know where you come from. He's like, no, but I'm the light. I'm the same light that led the Israelites, the same light that the menorah represented, the presence behind the veil. And so I want to show you a picture real quick, what we're getting at from this. Last week, we talked about the, the temple and the, the bread that was in there, the, the 12 loaves of bread that was stacked, stacked over there, which was the bread of presence, of the presence of God behind the curtain. Well, guess what was across the street from that, across the street, across the, the, the uh, tabernacle from that? So this is a cutaway, a picture of the tabernacle. This would be the, the holy room, and then you had the holy of holies there to the right. But here, this closest picture to us, I'm going to give you a little better picture here, more modern looking, a re remake of it, I guess you'd say. Here on the right-hand side, you can see the table of the presence, the bread of the presence there stacked. Remember, it's 12 loaves of unleavened bread, and it's representing God's presence in the place. But if you look right across from it to the left, you see this large light, this large flame candle that's called a menorah, what we know it as now. But this was the light indicating that God's light was in the place. And then you see the man there to the far far end. He's standing in front of what is known as the, the altar of incense. And then there's the purple curtain behind him. And behind him is what you would see the, 
the Ark of the Covenant there with the wing-like cherubim on top of it. And that's where God would come and he'd rest his glory there. And so uh, let me find my normal camera back. There we go. And so the people understood that what he was saying here, and most of the time during this this festival, these lights become, or the, the lamps become even more important. But if we flip over to John chapter 1, John introduces Jesus as the Word. And then he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And he says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And he goes on to explain that this light was the true light. And then he calls the light He. John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verse 10 through 11 says, He was in the world, speaking of the light. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Later on, Jesus says of himself in John chapter 12, verse 46, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. See, Jesus had a mission whenever he was coming into the world. He was through, he was God, of, God through the flesh or God in the flesh of Jesus had a mission. His mission was to save his people. His mission, just like in the Old Testament when he led the Israelites from slavery to the Egyptians by light in the wilderness for them, he has come now into the world to be the light to save and guide us from slavery from, to sin. But we have to come to the light. We have that choice to come to the light. For Scripture says, John chapter, thir- chapter 3, verse 19 through 21, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen in that his works have been carried out in God. See, friends, as we look around us, what do we see? We see a world full of darkness and sin and hatred and division and anger and so many different things that are just dark and heavy and and burdensome to us. But Jesus, the light, come into the world. The light came into the world to save the world. But we rejected him. They rejected him then, and today many of us still reject him today. They've not seen the light. They didn't recognize the light. They didn't know or didn't didn't want to accept him as the light. And so today, though Jesus has ascended into heaven, he still seeks to illuminate our path on this journey. He still seeks, seeks to illuminate the path for others to come to him, to come through through him to God the Father. And for those of us that have have believed, he hasn't left us in darkness. He's given us his word now to light the way for us. Psalm 119, 105, the psalmist says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. See, God's always seeking to help us find the way to him, to find the way to life, to find the way on that narrow path that Jesus speaks of. He hasn't turned his back on us, even though we're nothing more than weak sinners. He's given us a lamp. He's given us a light. He's given us his word to lead and guide us, as well as his Holy Spirit to live within us 
where we carry that flame, that light of God within us. So just as Jesus was in the flesh, remember what John says of the word. John chapter 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, the word, just as Jesus, just as God, and just as the Holy Spirit is to be our guide, our way into understanding the journey that we are on. That's why he's left us with his word to be a guide in our lives, to help us to find our way back to him, to help us to, to know the path we're to lead, to help us to know that he is the light to lead us home. Second Peter 1, 19 through 21 says, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will, will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We're to pay attention to the Word as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Again, just as the Israelites understood God's word, his law, and they, they favored that law delivered to them by Moses, we recognize God's word delivered to us by those that walked with Christ, those whom God called to record the, the, the happenings of Christ for us. It is holy and it is trustworthy and it is meant to be read from us and studied from us and remembered through us or from us as even the Old Testament speaks of, but also 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It's meant to teach us. It's meant to reproof us. It's meant to correct us. It's meant to train us in righteousness. It is a lamp to our feet. The Israelites celebrated and, and called to remembrance not only that God's light that led them, but also his law that led them on their journey. Friends, so too shall you and I. We have his word to lead us on our journey here on the earth. The light of life guides us by his light and his word. See, we need the light even more so today, right? Every single day of our journey, we need his light. We live in a world that is dark and scary at times and lonely at times. It's why I think even the psalmist, when all he had was the law at his time, even the psalmist writes about the light so often. Psalm 1828, for it is you who light my lamp. The Lord, my God, lightens my darkness. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 43, 3, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. 
See, the psalmists, if you know anything about the psalms, whenever most of them being written by David, struggled with needed light in his life. He needed reassurance in his life. He felt like often that he was left alone in the dark, crying out to God, where are you? Why are you not listening? Will you incline your ear to me? Don't you see those people that are against me over here? Don't you see this person that is, is trying to kill me? Where are you? And then he would recognize, he would say, the light has made its presence felt. So he needed encouragement, and he sought the Lord to be that encouragement, to be that light within his word. And just as Jesus was and is light sent from heaven to earth, so was God's word. We can be encouraged by, in our own trials, in our own tribulations, in our own despairing moments, in our own fears, when we read of such scriptures, such as John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Micah 7, 8, rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Friends, we all have struggles. We all have trials and we all have our down times and we have our stresses and things that just seem to come against us. Some days it just seems like we're sitting in a dark corner by ourselves. But I want to remind you, God's word is his light that we can find encouragement, we can find hope, we can find truth in, that God has not left us nor forsaken us, that his light is with us. So let us remember that he's not left us alone to carry our burdens and our heaviness in life or the, the dark times that we face. He's given us light made flesh who entreats us to come. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Friends, we, we live in a time where whenever we turn on the news or we even just travel down the road or we look at our, our social media feed where we see trouble. We see darkness. We look at the times and think, you know, it's so many things going on that there's just no way this earth can continue, no way human, my, humankind can continue. We see wars and everything else going around us. But God's word reminds us, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. He was sent to give us hope, sent to give us light, sent to, to take the burden, to free us from slavery to sin and to bring us out of darkness into the light. And then as we look at this festival again, it's possible that Jesus' words about being the, the, light, of the, li the light of life at the festival of tabernacles, it may have been something he was trying to, to bring to the forefront even more. It's very possible that he could have made this comment actually on the last day of the festival, because that was a time whenever they were most likely showing off all the lights. They'd light a bunch of torches and a bunch of candelabras and go around during their celebration. And so while Jesus not only uses the I am statement here once again, reflecting the light that is found in I am in Exodus 3.14, it's possible this teaching of Jesus was pointing to, was reminding them that he is God's light in the wilderness, that he is here in the flesh. He is here to bring light to the world. 
And so again, if you remember, as I saw it showed in the picture, that light, the menorah was outside of the Holy of Holies, signifying Yahweh's presence. And Jesus was saying, I am the light. And no doubt I can see him pointing to that menorah, to one of those flames that people had lit. I am the light of life. And Jesus later on says of himself in John 14, verse 2 through 6, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said, huh? <laughs> Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We'll get to that I am statement in another few weeks. But I want you to notice that he says he is the light to lead us home. He is the light to save us from the evil one. He is the light to rescue us from slavery to sin and death. He is the light to guarantee us a right standing with God the Father. Maybe you're wondering, too, how can we know the way? Follow the light. Read and feed on his word. Let his word be the lamp to your feet, the light to your path. Lead you to the feet of the Savior. And then let the Savior lead you home. Lead you into that place called eternity with him one day. But until then, I want you to know he's not left us alone here. He's given us his light to lead the way. You see, just as the Israelites had to cross the sea only by way of God's leading, the Holy Spirit, the Holy God, our light, our God is coming back to help us cross the chasm of space and time and eternity to experience the new heaven and new earth with him for all eternity. The scriptures are clear that he will return to take us, his bride, home. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Friends, we, we concern ourselves with the time of when the, the Lord's going to come back because we desire for him too, but we look around the world and we, we see again all that darkness and how bad things are and we think it can't go on too much longer. Friends, I want you to continue to be patient, to know that he has promised for those of us that are in the light, he has not left us in darkness. He will make himself known to us. We will see his light when he comes. We don't have to be afraid. And then the best thing is in the new home, guess what our light source will be? Revelation 22, 5 says, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp for sun, for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever and ever. And he says, behold, I'm coming soon. So as we continue to have this belief, have this knowledge that Christ is the light that is going to leave us home, we have to continue to travel this world, this darkness, this journey of life, seeking not only to 
get to eternity ourselves, but to lead others there as well. You see, it's our responsibility as those are, that are following Christ to be light to others, to not enter into eternity by ourselves, but to bring others along with us. He calls us to go out and make disciples. He tells us to do good work so that they would see the light of God through us. So I want to encourage you with that. I want you to hear this little illustration that kind of demonstrates that. It says, there's a mere strip of sand called Castle Island near the eastern end of the Bahamas. People, Few people are aware of it, and as tiny and isolated as it is, Castle Island is important for the lighthouse that is its sole source of humanity. One day, a young man was sailing in the sea. He anchored a sailboat off, off of the, the lighthouse and swam to shore to exercise his legs on the beach. The lighthouse keeper, Cedric Hanna, was surprised and delighted to have company. He invited the young man to join him for some fresh-caught lobster and tour the lighthouse. The young man climbed the stairs and the winding staircase to the lantern room at the top of the stairs, and he was astonished at the size of the light that signaled safe passage through the maze of shoals and reefs. The light was a tiny kerosene flame, barely bright enough to read by. Yet with the aid of mirrors and reflectors, it was visible 25 miles out to sea. Jesus Christ has told us to let our light shine. But I tell, but tell me, what if our light is very dim one, you say? What if our good works are very small? I believe that our little light is magnified in the immense mirror of Almighty God's love. I believe that His reflectors are human hearts spreading the flame of kindness to one another. Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people hide a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine, friends. Let others see the light. Not only do you trust in the sight in the in the light, but you also reflect that light to the world around us. We get to be light that goes into dark places to light the way for others to find salvation in Christ. We get to play little Christ. We get to play little Moseses to lead people out of slavery to the one that can save them. I pray that you take that responsibility to heart. Take that opportunity to heart. Think about those that are on your mind or those that you know that don't know the light yet. Pray that God would use you or that he would use someone around them to reflect that light to them. Friends, that light is also made available to each and every person. It's my heart and hope that you would know him for yourself. When you receive Christ into your heart, you receive his light illuminating the dark spots within us, which, yes, can be scary. When he shines that bright light on our sins, bringing it to our own recognition of how far we have gone away from God, we feel that conviction. But Jesus takes that conviction away for us. He nails it to the cross. He buried it in the grave with him and left it there whenever he was raised to glory. When he was raised from dead, he didn't bring our sins out of the grave. He left them. Friends, God put our penalty on him. 
those sins that have darkened your light, darkened him on that cross. God allowed it so that he could give you his light when you accept him. Let us pray. Father God, oh, magnificent light, the one that created all things, the one that is light to all things, the one that brings to salvation those that will trust, those that will follow the light, those that have accepted the light into our own hearts and minds. Father God, we, we thank you and praise you for guiding us out of the dark, for softening our hearts, for lighting the way for us to see, opening up our eyes to see the light on the path to righteousness, the light on the path to, to end slavery for us, the light on the path to lead us into eternity with you, receiving Christ's righteousness, receiving Christ's light. Father God, and only can we imagine what it's going to be like one day when we are face to face with the light, the one that will light up all of the new earth and new heavens. Father, what a glory it will be. But until then, help us to remember and help us to trust, knowing that you are the light that is guiding our way through the, 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 the muck and the sand and the, the darkness that surrounds us now. And your light never goes out. For it is an eternal flame. And eternal flame gets us to eternity. And we can only thank you who sent Christ for me. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. Friends, we're called to be light. The light shine for others so that they can see. One quote I found says, Jesus talks and preaches about sin, but he does not isolate himself from sinners. He understands that in order for light to shine in the darkness, the light must engage the darkness. Friends, the Lord says, to do our work so that others may see, to do good so that others may know. And understand, this isn't a call about us being prideful or us shouting to the, the world, this is all that I, look at all that I did. It's about doing good for your neighbor, doing good for others, for God's glory, so that they would see him working through you. So I always want to encourage you, don't hide your light. Don't put it under a basket. Don't shut it behind doors. Be the safety. Be the lighthouse for someone else. No matter what your situation is or your place in life or limitations or expectations, he can use you where you are. He will use you to reflect his light if you let him. Amen.